I will say that getting a job at Mayo Clinic, taking a job at Mayo Clinic was my smartest career decision ever. Have you ever wondered, how'd she end up with that job? Or maybe wonder what his background is. Welcome to How I Got Here. Hello, I'm Lee Acey, and this is How I Got Here. I'm your host, Reed Smith. All right, Lee, so you are in Jacksonville, Florida today, right? Do I have that right? I am. You're in the sunny state of Florida doing a Mayo Clinic social media network residency, I'm assuming? Yep, that's why we're here. And then we're also going to do a getting things done training session for our uh, Mayo Clinic staff tomorrow. Oh, nice. Nice. We have to come back and talk about that for a minute. All right. So question for you now, and most people obviously know who you are and kind of what you're doing to some degree, but what percentage of your job do you see being education? You know, I'd say probably a third of it, you know, somewhere between 25% and a third. So our, our job is, first of all, to run Mayo Clinic's social media presence on the major general purpose networks but also to equip uh, and enable our Mayo Clinic staff to be able to engage in these platforms. So part of its consultation, part of its training, it's hard to tease out exactly which is which, but with some of these events that we do like social media residency, it's a little bit of both, Um, probably a little more on the education side, but it also then opens up for folks outside of Mayo Clinic who wanna participate. Do you think that's going to change over time? I mean, do you always see this being, you know, predominantly an education effort or is it, you know, more on the execution side in your mind? What are your, well, I mean, I'd still say we're, we're two thirds to three quarters on on execution. So there's, there's definitely, um, you know, we need to excel in um, doing our Mayo Clinic, you know, general purpose enterprise level platforms but I actually right. think I actually think you know it might even grow a little bit in terms of the education and equipping because as we've seen with the decline of organic reach for brand accounts, uh, that makes the energizing and equipping the frontline staff um, even that much more important. And so I mean I think uh, there's going to be there's going to be a place for both of it. Uh, you know, for I mean we obviously need to do. Mayo Clinic's accounts and, and execute those with, uh, with excellence, but uh, equipping our staff uh, to get engaged as well is probably only going to increase in, in importance. Yeah, I can imagine. I, that, that seems to kind of resonate with me just as we think about, to your point, the, the drop in organic and some of that kind of stuff. Um, so we talked about you're, you're in Florida today but you're not from Florida. You don't live in Florida. You're actually from, I guess, kind of the Mayo Clinic center of the world, but uh, just outside in Austin, Minnesota. Is that where you grew up, right? I I grew up uh, since about age one in Austin, Minnesota, which is about 40 miles southwest of uh, Rochester. So definitely never would have imagined uh, living in Austin again, as I do today, and driving to work in Rochester every day. I mean, who would drive 40 miles a day to work? But after having lived, <laughs> after having lived in the uh, twin in a Twin Cities suburb, of Minneapolis St. Paul suburb, and working downtown St. Paul for a few years, where it uh, was 23 miles to work, but it took 45 minutes to get there. Um, yeah, I got 
I'm more accustomed to the idea of some level of commute and then having the opportunity to live in my hometown and raise my kids and now even some grandkids in my, um, in my hometown where my parents are still living. It was a pretty uh, sweet opportunity. That's cool. You mentioned your parents. What did, what did your parents do? Uh, my mom was a nurse and my dad was an elementary principal. And so I actually think that has a whole lot to do with what I'm doing right now. I mean, my dad <laughs> has the heart of a teacher and my, my, uh, my mom was obviously in healthcare. And so the yeah. fact that I'm teaching people to use social media in healthcare uh, is a, is a pretty neat um, synthesis of the two, I guess. That is interesting. And so growing up, was your dad your principal? Uh, my dad was not my principal. Um, we had four or five, yeah, we had four or five uh, <laughs> elementary schools in my hometown. I did have one time when I got to middle school where um, an eighth grader uh, decided he wanted to take it out on me as a seventh grader for the, um, for the fact that he spent a bunch of time in my dad's office when he was a sixth <laughs> fifth grader. And, and as it turned out, I was quite a bit bigger than he was. And so that only happened once <laughs> that uh, I was challenged like that, but I had to, had to respond with appropriate force. Um, not lethal or anything like that, but, it, but at yeah, least uh, yeah. to, to hold my own. And then after that, I didn't have, uh, have that problem anymore. <laughs> well, you mentioned, uh, and for those that have never seen Lee in person, I guess, uh, you're a very tall individual, which, uh, I think, you know, probably equated to the fact that, uh, maybe basketball was, was a logical sport and you, you played that even, you know, post high school and in some kind of advanced years, if you will. But, um, what, what, what else were you interested in outside of sports growing up? Well, I mean, uh, I was was really interested in, I mean, sport, all, all kinds of sports. I sort of specialized in basketball um, as I got later on in my uh, high school years, just because we had a a really good team with a good chance of uh, making it to the state tournament and didn't want to uh, mess that up by getting a football knee injury or something like that. I actually saw that happen to a a guy a couple of years ahead of me and he missed his senior year of basketball. Didn't want to, didn't want to see that happen. Yeah. I was, you know, um, like I, I had, you know, I mean, I was, I was interested in sort of all the things, I guess, uh, high school guys are interested in. Um, and you know, had, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of fun with that, but, uh, definitely, uh, because I was, you know, very interested in basketball. We, I was putting a lot of time into it, not to the extent yep. that kids do today uh, when they, you know, tend to pick a sport and, you know, really specialize in it. And it's kind of a year round thing. But, um, you know, I, I worked a bunch um, where I was a, a grill cook at Wendy's where we made your hamburgers 256 different ways with combinations of mayonnaise, ketchup, pickle, onion, tomato, lettuce, and mustard. So you forget, you get some of these things in your head and you just can't, uh, they never leave. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah. That should be your new Twitter bio. <laughs> that could be. Yeah. <laughs> 256 well, what, different ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, all right. So, well, in side note too, one of your sons also played basketball, same he high did. school, right? And was yeah. the first team since you to go to the state championship or well, something it, like it that? Was, it seems it like a few years ago. Yeah, so we went to the state tournament when I was a senior in 1981, um, the, and we were undefeated until we lost in the state championship game. 
My um, The year afterwards, the juniors who were with us went to the state tournament, but they lost in the first round. And then it was about 30 years or so until another okay. team from my hometown went. Uh, my son's team uh, with his cousin, my nephew, was uh, was that team that uh, that made it when they were um, juniors. And then when they, when he was a senior, he also their team also won all of their games all year long until losing in the state championship game. So it was wow. uh, it was sweet. I mean, that's like the the ultimate and bittersweet, I guess. Right? I mean, it was great yeah. to see them get to make it. Would like love to have seen him uh, um, actually be able to close the deal, but uh, we both lost to yeah. you know a Twin Cities team and. Uh, Anyway, it was it was uh, kind of bookending, I guess. So, so let me ask you this: So, as a guy that also played basketball and sports all his life and stuff like that, does competition still play a role in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's there. Whether it's uh, you know card game, like I would never believe in just letting the kids win uh, when we we're playing games either. I mean, obviously, we take a little. Yeah. We're not cutthroat with them, but it's like it's teaching people to do their best, you know, I mean, we want, and, and there's something about, you know, some a competition at some level anyway, you know, causes people to, you know, I guess perk up and do a little bit better than they would if they, if they didn't. And so, yeah, having some level of that uh, competition is, is helpful. The thing I love about working in healthcare is that, yeah, there's, so to some extent there's competition, but, uh, especially with the kind of work that we're doing, you know, it's, it's much more collegial. It's much more about uh, serving the patient and we want to, you know, always do the best we can. Uh, but yet it isn't like uh, Coke versus Pepsi where, you know, market share for one is, is not for the other. There's plenty of sick people around. And what we're trying to do is yeah. uh, help mobilize and using these uh, social media tools to improve health and to, uh, promote healthcare and yeah, to help support the mission of our organizations too. So you go to college, you play a little basketball and you major in what? Not marketing, right? I did not major in marketing. I was uh, originally, I was uh, planning to be a, a pre-med major or that that's what I was uh, thinking after about my first uh, semester or so. And that's also the, when I met my, now wife of will be 35 years in in uh december and in my first my freshman year congratulations uh, so, yeah. why thank you yeah it's uh, we, we have been blessed and so we um you know i was was on sort of the pre-medicine track um a chemistry my major at that point and then i got um kind of part way through i got a little bit bit by the political bug and uh got off on the political science um, front, uh, ended up running for state representative as a 21 year old in Austin, Minnesota, my hometown. And, um, that just got me off on a path that, um, that eventually led me back. But I, I spent about 14 years in politics and government at various levels, um, based on that, that interest that I'd had. That's interesting. Cause I can imagine, uh, cause you, when you came back and so you, you spent the time in, in the, uh, political realm, if you will. And then when you came back, quote unquote, came back, 
<clears throat> you, you actually took a job at the Mayo Clinic, right? I mean, that yeah. was kind of your first first uh, avenue in uh, to healthcare. Yeah, uh, was was on the the, the public affairs side. It there was at, at Mayo Clinic, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a natural. I mean, it was it was sort of a natural uh, comeback. I mean, it was it was a natural evolution. I mean, I worked um, first of all starting in you know political campaigns, and then in uh, you know some at the state legislature. And then eventually, uh, what I found through the whole process and even through the campaigns, the thing I really liked was like writing press releases and communications. So I didn't have, like, I was, so one thing you asked me about my high school background, I was the, one of the co-editors of the school newspaper, you know, so I did have that level of, you know, that interest, that activity back then as well. Um, I just found that this was something that I liked and was, was pretty good at, and I was, was good at um, simplifying without distorting, you know, and describing things in plain language. And, and, um, and so that was sort of the direction that my political work migrated was more toward, um, um, I, well, eventually was a congressional press secretary, secretary based in the district office back in, in Rochester. And over that time, I, you know, was, was sort of mid thirties and decided, okay, I'd really like, I, I, I am living in my hometown. I'd like to keep it that way. Um, and the career path for uh, politics and government was to go either to a state capital someplace, which Austin is nobody's state capital, uh, except unless you're in Texas. But Austin, Minnesota. Yeah, unless you're in Texas. Yeah. 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 Austin is no, Austin, Minnesota is. And, and you know, didn't want to go to D.C., didn't want to go to St. Paul. And so, I kind of was thinking now it's time to look for a, a change. It's always best to look when you don't need to look. Um, and so That's right. I, I had a friend I, who I worked with at the state Capitol who was working at another group within Mayo Clinic and with Mayo Medical Labs. And she suggested, hey, you know, I, I, I meet sometimes with a communications group uh, at Mayo and they're seem like they have a really good time and it's a good place to work. And that's what led me to, to make the switch. Um, so it was, a it was a, an evolution to do the same kind of work that I was doing in, uh, politics and government, but to instead, uh, move into the, into healthcare. Do you see many others with your background, with a political background in healthcare at this point? You know, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily went to a lot. I run to a lot of journalists, you know, people who've got yeah. those communications uh, type degrees. Um, I have the kind of the weirdest major minor um, combo in that it's my major is political science. My minor is chemistry. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I was a chemistry major before I got in. And so I had enough for a minor. So that's how that sort of ended up. But yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is to be able to write well and, you know, communicate. And then that, um, I mean, there's certainly, there's some training that comes with journalism that's helpful, but, um, you know, I think, uh, I think sort of any, uh, liberal arts, uh, related degree history, um, I've got many colleagues that are, you know, not from a, a medical background, but more of a, you know, um, econ or other kind of or communications background that are that are part of our team. So do you think, uh, you know, it's interesting to me, you know, because you, you talk about the, I think you said, you know, the ability to be able to, you know, say things in plain English, you know, or, mm-hmm. or take the complex and break it down and communicate that in a way that people can understand. 
that's, you know, uh, man, that, that's a skill that's not going to go out of style. Um, yeah, and so I, sure think, I think that's an interesting yeah. takeaway, right? I mean, because yeah. the technology continues to change. Right. And, and so keeping up with the um, underlying nature of the technology or the underlying, you know, the, the technical details is something that, you know, there are the, those who are the, I guess they're the, the right brain folks that do that stuff and that are, uh, and that's important. You know, I mean, it's, it's crucial to have the analytics uh, perspective on it. But also then the ability to uh, think uh, left. Uh, actually, it's more. I guess it's the other way. It's it's right brain are the folks that uh, are the the lefty, the ones that are uh, able to synthesize and um, mm-hmm. make these, you know, make these connections. And so the ability to to translate the technical into uh, plain English is a. Uh, um, or, or whatever language one happens to be working in is, uh, is important <laughs> yeah. and one the thing that won't go out of style, you're right. So it, it's funny. I, I think a lot of people look at uh, whether it be Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic or MD Anderson or Kaiser, you know, these big kind of national brands here in the States, certainly. Uh, and they wonder, you know, how, how do people get there? How do people do that kind of stuff? I what what percentage would you say or, or what's the likelihood that, you know, the way in, I mean, is it, is it, uh, is it about getting a job at Mayo Clinic or is it about just getting a job that you feel like you can make a difference? I mean, how, how do you advise people on just the way into healthcare to some degree? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd say, um, find, uh, you know, get a job someplace where you're able to contribute, uh, you know, where you're, where you're qualified, but where it's maybe a little bit of a stretch, you know, and where you have an opportunity to grow. I will say that getting a job at Mayo Clinic, taking a job at Mayo Clinic was my smartest career decision ever. I mean, you probably don't have to be a genius to, to say that that's a good, <laughs> hey, that's a good job to take. But I mean, but you know, get it, get into an organization where there's opportunity. Um, and I think it's, you know, in the case of, uh, my experience at Mayo Clinic has been that, you know, we're able to make, uh, if we're able to be creative and come up with a good business case for why we should, you know, engage in some program that if it's, if you're able to make that case, uh, sufficiently, you can get the resources to, you know, implement it. And so there's, there's an opportunity for uh, people with creativity and ideas uh, to, to have a chance to make them happen. Um, There is, you know, opportunity for advancement. And so my, my advice is, uh, you know, get your, um, get your place, you know, get an opportunity. And that's actually when I advise uh, students is, like take an internship, uh, find a place where you're able to make, um, you know, demonstrate what you can do as a way that will um, stand out from the, yep. you know, scores of others that are are the resumes that are being uh, submitted, and then, and then you know the the whole idea of getting the college degree is to is to create them, you know, get the minimum entry level, you know, requirement, you know, then work to, to get that initial job. And then it's really all about, you know, what you are able to accomplish and the, the work, uh, 
uh, results you're able to demonstrate. And then it, you know, kind of can build from there. So what about, um, you know, the career? So, so you're, you're an interesting case, right? Where you spent time in politics um, and then made a change after a significant amount of years mm-hmm. uh, to, to healthcare, right? Um, I, we've all done that to some degree, certainly some of us earlier in our careers than others and some of them later in the careers than others, you know, that kind of thing. Is, is there, and I'm not saying you did this necessarily, but, but are we at a place where, um, are people willing to, when they're making those moves, whether it's to the Mayo Clinic or across industries or something like that, you know, taking that step back, you know, you see this a lot. I wonder a lot about coaches, for example, you you get a fired head coach that then goes and becomes a coordinator. Mm Mm-hmm. Are they okay with that? You know what I mean? It seems like a logical step back in the grand scheme of things, but it may be the best move for them. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, Seth Godin talks about this when he talks about, you know, if you're in an industry, for instance, like newspapers and not hacking on newspapers, but I mean, it is a declining industry in terms of, you know, the number of jobs that are available. And like what he'll say is if you're five years from retirement, hang on, baby, you know, like do everything you can yeah. to just make sure, you know, to, to get there. Um, but if you're 10 or 15 or 20 years out, um, you should figure out a way that you can take, if you can take a, a lateral move, great. If it has to be a little bit of even a step back um, so that you can catch on the upswing again, that's the, that's the smart move to take. It's, it's, um, figuring out what the trajectory is in on the path that you're already on. And if that doesn't look, you know, super favorable, um, make us make a switch. And even if it means, a um, a temporary, you know, step back, it's, it's better to do a step back than, you know, to be one of those ones that ends up on the layoff list in this other declining yeah. industry. And then, then suddenly you're scrambling and then it ends up being, a uh, a bigger step back. I feel like to some degree, social media does not help with that scenario. Um, you know, we, we, uh, don't want to be seen. I mean, social media is already a curation of our best moments right. in life. Right? Right. right. So, um, so just by definition, it, it, social media, I feel like has made it harder in this day and age to, you know, humbly make that move, yeah. uh, you know, versus, you know, cause you don't want to be seen as a failure. Right? right. But, you know, worse would be dying on the vine. Certainly, I guess at some point, but, um, I don't know. It's just, you know, this is a, an interesting time, um, to be, you know, kind of doing this and working in this field and seeing the way that people use these mediums, uh, even my kids, um, and start trying to figure out what does that mean? Uh, for them getting a job, what does that mean for them just in life, uh, how they communicate, uh, how they want to get information, you know, that kind of thing. It's yeah. just, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting time. I think, I think, I think that's a really good uh, insight and it's like, it's, it's a lot more difficult to be kind of under the radar now, you know, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, every, the life that we all live with our LinkedIn profiles, like everybody can look at it and see what you've done your whole life. You know, and so that uh, that might make it a little bit uh, a little bit tougher. I guess that's why I'd say it's it's uh, 
sort of reinforced that it's still better to be um, in that you know, where you're being proactive about what you're deciding to do um, than to be in a position where um, you know you're not you you're looking I mean you're you're out of work and looking for a job and that's that's just a tougher position to be in yeah well and with with job titles the way they are these days and age like nobody knows what any of this stuff means anyway so when you're the chief rainmaker like nobody knows what that is so yeah. they don't know if you've gone <laughs> up or down from there I guess so, anyway uh, well your mom was a nurse you're working in healthcare communications uh, I know you've got a number of children working in healthcare, right? Yeah, yeah I've got a More son. Who's a, yeah, I've got a son who's a physical therapist at uh, Mayo Clinic. I've got a daughter who's a nurse in Mayo Clinic Health System. A daughter who's trained as a nurse, but uh, is a, a missionary uh, in Bulgaria, so not actually using her nursing training right now, with the exception of taking care of uh, grandchild number eleven. Uh, well, there you so, go. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, no, we've uh, got actually you know, half the kids are uh, are or have been uh, involved in healthcare. Very cool. Well, Lee, thanks for uh, coming on and chatting for a few minutes. Appreciate the insights, and it's always uh, uh, fun to learn a little bit more about somebody you've known for some years. Glad we can do it, and thanks for inviting me. Thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode of How I Got Here. How I Got Here is powered by Touchpoint Media Network. To learn more about this show and others like it, visit us online at touchpoint.health. Till next time, I'm your host, Reed Smith.